0: The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. As I said earlier, Teresa talked uh, two weeks ago about compassion, one of the four Brahma Viharas, heavenly abodes, the other three being equanimity, loving kindness, and sympathetic joy. So I'm going to do a real quick review of of, uh, compassion, and then we'll do some compassion practice. Um, We'll probably do both a little bit of general compassion practice and then self-compassion practice. Both are pretty important. Um, So the Pali word for compassion is karuna. This is Christina Feldman, who's written extensively on the subject. She says, quote, Compassion doesn't always call for grand or heroic gestures. It asks you to find in your heart the simple but profound willingness to be present with a commitment to end sorrow and contribute to the well-being and ease of all beings. A word of kindness, a loving touch, a patient presence, a willingness to step beyond your fears and reactions are all gestures of compassion that can transform a moment of fear or pain. Aligning yourself with a path of understanding and compassion, you are learning to listen to the cries of the world. End quote. So it really grows out of our own suffering, and also grows out of having to deal with tragedy, loss, suffering, pain, whether our own or that of others. It's often described as a quivering of the heart in response to suffering. I love that uh, definition. Sharon Salzberg, who was here recently, uh, has also written a great deal. She says, quote, "...finding the right relationship to pain, both ours and that of others, is very complex because pain can be a tremendously powerful teacher and an opening. It can also be the cause of terrible anger and separation." We can be filled with loneliness and resentment because we're in pain. We can feel very isolated because we're in pain. We can feel a lot of guilt in a state of grief, blaming ourselves for something we did or something we didn't do or something we didn't say. We can blame ourselves for seemingly being ineffectual in a world that needs so much help, quote. So there she's talking about the need for compassion in terms of finding the, relation, or the right relationship both for ourselves and as we direct it to, to other folks. And our challenge is really to use compassion to help us move toward connection with others, move toward connection with ourselves if we're, if we're dealing with the shame of our pain, the shame of our suffering, that that's where the role of self-compassion can be so critical, to lessen that shame, to help us with the acceptance, to lean into that. And, and and not isolate in the pace in, in the face of pain and suffering not isolate from ourselves not isolate from others and and I would particularly emphasize isolating from ourselves and all the ways we do that when we suffer you know we spend too much we run too much we eat too much we drink too much we do all kind we stay on the internet too much um, it's it, it, we don't do a good job in our culture of just learning to be with our pain and then bringing compassion to that. So, some of the a couple of the practices I want to share tonight really come from uh, a place of bringing uh, us into presence with with our suffering, bringing compassion to that experience, and how transformative that, that is. <clears throat> I've certainly seen that in my own practice. Just one other word, uh, the, and I think Teresa spoke to this. The near enemy of uh, compassion is pity. Pity really comes from a place of, you know, I'm fine and you're not. Oh, poor you. Compassion's really about, you know, we all suffer. I I share your suffering. I can be present with your suffering. I can be present with my own suffering. The far enemy is cruelty, which, which you know, is obviously... Um, not where we want to go but it's easy to sort of sometimes slip into pity because we don't want to touch into our own our own suffering so let's uh let's do a little practice so just get comfortable uh, find a comfortable position close your eyes if you would and just settle into your breathing feel your body just feel the life within you and see if you can touch into the way in which you sort of guard yourself in the face of sorrow guard yourself in the face of of pain and suffering how you hunker down or tighten contract or perhaps how you try to push it away distract If you can release around that, just let go, just let go of the contraction, let go of the pushing away, feel some of that suffering, this, that, that pain which we all experience. Now bring to mind someone close to you, someone you really care about, someone you really love. It could be a person, it could be your cat, your dog, your parrot, your uncle, your spouse, your child. And just allow yourself to feel that natural caring, that natural love that you have for them. How you hold them in your heart. And now try to be aware of their suffering, their sorrow. Imagine opening your heart to them, to extend comfort to them, to meet their pain with compassion. And then just say these phrases inwardly to yourself as you hold that person in your heart. May you be held in compassion. May you be held in compassion. May your pain and sorrow be eased. May your pain and sorrow be eased. May your heart be at peace. May your heart be at peace. and the idea is to use those phrases or simpler ones you can certainly modify them just to cultivate that experience of compassion as you as you bring to mind bring a loved one into your heart someone that's suffering or someone who you imagine is suffering Just make you can make this part of your daily practice. Uh, You can use it whenever you encounter suffering, it doesn't have to be someone you know personally. You can extend it to suffering in the world, of which there's much. Again, may you be held in compassion. May your pain and sorrow be eased. May your heart be at peace. Now let's turn that compassion on ourselves. Let's acknowledge our own sorrows, our individual sorrows. practice self-compassion with the same phrases. May I be held in compassion. May I be held in compassion. May my pain and sorrow be eased. May my pain and sorrow be eased. May I be at peace. May I be at peace. So this practice we can direct it inwardly to ourselves, we can direct it outwardly you know, to our friends, to our family, to neighbors, community, uh, to all sentient beings. you may open your eyes. And and the beauty of compassion practice, one of the many, I think, is the sense of connection that it fosters between us because it acknowledges, as I said a little while ago, uh, the commonality of suffering, that it's part of life, it's part of the deal. Uh, We all suffer loss, we all suffer disappointment, pain, hurt. And when I can acknowledge Georgia, you can acknowledge mine. That's a real moment of connection, connectedness. That can be very powerful. I think of the Brahma Viharas. It's really, <clears throat> to my mind, the the practice which most fosters that that interconnectedness, that sense of of being uh, being together. This is uh, more from Christina Feldman. She says, "Quote." One is to see compassion as the outcome of a path that can be cultivated and developed. You do not in reality cultivate compassion, but you can cultivate through investigation the qualities that incline your heart toward compassion. You can learn to attend to the moments when you close and contract in the face of suffering, anger, fear, or alienation. In those moments, you are asked to question what difference empathy, forgiveness, patience, and tolerance would make. You cultivate your commitment to turn toward your responses of aversion, anger, or intolerance. With mindfulness and investigation, you find in your heart the generosity and understanding that allow you to open rather than close. So there again, she's talking about opening to the experience of it, attending to it. Not contracting in the face of those those difficult emotions. so she has she offers similar practices um, of the ones we just did um, where the, she uses a series of phrases which we'll practice in a moment. Um, but again the idea is to make a conscious effort to bring this experience to mind, bring it into the body, uh, allow ourselves to feel it, allow ourselves to open to it, to not close off to the pain and suffering that we experience uh, inwardly or that we experience in others. It's just such a central part, if I think of the Dharma, of the path. Um, It's hard to imagine anything more central or anything more important in terms of cultivating um, the qualities of the path, so let's just for a few minutes again close our eyes and um, find a comfortable position and we'll, uh, and again this can be i'll do I'll do it both ways both inwardly in terms of self compassion practice and outwardly in terms of uh, others um, She says, May I find healing and peace? May I find healing and peace? May you find healing and peace? May you find healing and peace? peace. And she suggests that we sense the countless beings in the world, she says, who in this moment have their own measure of anguish, their own longing for peace and healing. May all beings find healing. May all beings find healing. May all beings find peace. May all beings find peace. May all beings be held in compassion. May all beings be held in compassion. She says, allow yourself to sense the countless beings in the world who are ill or dying, who are grieving, who are lonely and estranged. Embrace in your attention those who are imprisoned and those who imprison, those who are caught in the terrors of war and violence and those who war and inflict violence. Without reservation, enfold all beings in a heart of compassion. Without reservation, enfold all beings in a heart of compassion. May all beings be free from sorrow. May all beings be free from sorrow. May all beings be free from from suffering. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be free. May all beings be free. Let your heart fill with the compassion possible for all of us the compassion that listens deeply to the cries of the world. of some compassion practice to include in your regular practice or to have available uh, when you encounter suffering in yourself or in others. We've got a couple minutes. Um, Any comments, questions, thoughts about compassion practice? Linda. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the question was how do we have compassion for those that inflict suffering? It's it's the same dilemma in terms of bringing loving kindness to those that are our enemies or those that that do harm, and you know the, the only way I've I've been able to try to work around that and try being the operative word there is to imagine the depth of their suffering that results in their behavior that creates that kind of uh, those actions which do such harm. I mean, I often think, what must their own suffering be that that's how they live? Um, And see if I can tap into some compassion for that suffering. But it's it's a hugely challenging practice i don't know if anyone else has thoughts about that but julie Could everyone hear Julie? She said when she worked at the women's prison that if she was able to see that the person was not the worst thing they did, that was a part of who they were, but that was not the totality. I hope I'm paraphrasing that accurately, the totality of who they were. And so you can try to tap into the parts of them that aren't the worst thing that they've done or that they continue to do. Thank you. Okay, let me leave you with a little bit of humor that I saw someone sent me today. It's a picture of the um, royal couple with their new baby in arm coming out of the hospital. This is from The Onion, so that'll uh, I'll warn you. And the caption was, um, raccoon crushed by trash truck hit the jackpot with reincarnation.